It was beyond survival mode. And music heals. Let me play my part. Check two hits. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change. All right, so we're started here. Welcome to Amplified, the official podcast of the Kelly Nicole Foundation. I'm here with a longtime supporter of the foundation and a good friend, Joshua Davis. Thanks for joining me this week. Hey, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you were actually friends with Kel back in the day, like, I guess, what, 12, 15 years ago now? I would say, yeah, at least 15 years ago, if not more, maybe right around 2003, 2002. Something like that. Yeah. So thought it would be cool to have you on because you've got such an amazing story of coming from such a dark place and overcoming so much and, and having your passion for music and your support of the foundation. It just seemed like you were one of the first people I wanted to reach out to as we went to put this podcast together. So actually was curious to start out with um, the way you and I met is pretty unique, I think. Uh, absolutely unique. <laughs> absolutely unique. That's one word for it, right? Yeah. I mean, you can call it a tragic situation. So we had gotten the word that it was no more treatment it was time to take her home for hospice which means it's almost lights out right and yeah. i said to her best friend hey and just i just remember texting him tell everybody just those two words and out of the woodwork came a bunch of people i wanted them to be able to come say while she was still alive say to her what she means to them i wanted it to be an open front door where people could come and share their love for her and, and i just was hoping that she could still hear it and feel it and get the sensation that she matters to people Anyway, that, that was how the two of us met. And speaking of like overcoming dark times and stuff, so it's weird because you were like five weeks sober? Well, I think I, I think it was right around, uh, how long How long was it? It, it was, was summer 2015. It was, yep, it was like five weeks sober. I was staying with a friend in between places. Uh, I was at that point of, you know, working uh, uh, a program of sobriety. And... Uh, uh, this opportunity happened to arrive at a time where, uh, as people that may have suffered through addiction or still do know that a lot of times you become very isolated and not in a good way where you are, uh, not emotionally or physically and or physically available to anybody except to your, <laughs> to whoever's bringing you drugs. Yeah. And, uh, if you can call that an emotional relationship. Right. I guess it probably is. Well, to some extent, um, I, uh. I was just very thankful that I was available to see this and to be able to catch it when I did and to be able to connect with you and, and with Kelly uh, yeah. uh, just days before uh, she transitioned. It's weird because I think, I think of it like if someone had written it, <clears throat> and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way to you, but I always thought of it as like I had everything 
and I wanted nothing because without her I didn't care. And you had nothing and you needed everything because you were just rebuilding your life from the beginning. Absolutely. So we met. I, I didn't want to spend a single night in the house without her. So I put it up for sale and gave away almost everything. Yeah. I mean, I have like one couch. I have a little bit of furniture to my name now. But I was giving away almost everything. And you were like in service mode. Like, who can I help? Where can I be positive? And, and getting through your own darkness, you were turning to, I like to think like the lighter things and who can I help, which I thought was... Absolutely inspiring and i was like okay this guy's kind of cool i trust him and he had cool stories about hanging out with cal back in the day so talk a little bit about kind of what that time in your life was like and you were, was it obviously early early sobriety has got to be just vicious on your body and your mind and the cravings and everything like that but there you are helping a complete stranger in honor of this friend who you barely got to watch die well I, you, you, first, it, it, it was an honor to be able to come into a situation like that. Uh, even, uh, let it be known, even if I hadn't have been in sobriety, uh, who's to say how things would have aligned? Mm. Uh, what I mean by that is I, you know, many times I, I think things are more than coincidence. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, the places where, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was beyond survival mode. It was, it was, it was, get, as they say in Shawshank, get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. And this was a part of getting busy living. I think I saw an opportunity to be of service. It was never a thought in my mind is like, I have to do something because part of a program of sobriety, at least in my eyes and many others, is service work, uh, being of service for others. One, it takes you out of your own head. Two, it does something good for somebody. And three, in my mind, my number three is it, is it puts out positive energy to all the atoms and neurons out there. So maybe that it could have a trickle-down effect on someone else. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I'll tell you, on a personal note, it took it took my mind off my own issues in a, in a good way. Really? Uh, you know, I will tell you, on a personal note, I'm more of a self, you know, servicing uh, in, in the best of ways, of course, uh, it gave me a chance to be of service to others, but it also gave my mind a break away from my own, mm. my own type of thing. And I could focus all that energy that I would on myself onto someone else and, uh, just channel it and be available. I was pretty much a raw entity when yeah. I met you. And you had lost your best friend within the year, right? Yeah, I lost, so you were just on the edge. Yeah. There was, there was quite a few things going on that, be, that, create weights and weights and weights and how many weights can one take till they they break yeah you know yeah. so i thought it was uh there <clears throat> it's interesting how one's dark you know i think a lot of us tend to compare or uh you know i want to take the pity pity pacifier out of my mouth and <laughs> and say <laughs> uh uh say you know what's one's darkness compared to another's darkness it really can't be about that for me it's more of about uh i was just really not just to be able to see kel but hey i'm i met you for the first time the first time we ever spoke was during that trauma and i had a chance to uh to experience what you were experiencing and a chance to i remember Walking into the house and playing, and you were playing guitar. I, I, is I that, was. Is that time? No, it's that time to. I don't know if it's time to go into that. But, Any, yeah, anything. But uh, I also remember the when I came over and you played one of your songs for Cal, 
and uh, you were stomping your foot so loud, it was like, woke hell up, and her <laughs> eyes went bug wild, like, what's going on? I'm like, she's coherent. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's and, cute. And she felt all your music, and then I played guitar for her, and she smiled. I What was her words? I got some gold. Uh, yeah. I got some gold. Where if she you got a smile in the last three days, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And, she was uh, out of it. Well, I kind of knew that she was pretty coherent. She was coherent, and uh, she came in and out because she was on so much medication. But yeah. I'm probably going off track here a little bit. Uh, no, it's cool. I remember... Uh, <clears throat> I'll just say one more story about that time frame, which was, I don't know if you remember this. You were like, something about we should play sometime or something, because we'd both seen each other play and you were a drummer. Yeah. And everything. And, and I remember I was obviously, I'm just completely in a daze, right? I'm sitting there, her, her, she's laying there in front of me. And I'm just like, this isn't really happening. My mind is just gone. And the words that came out of my mouth, I still can't believe. I said, do you play on a click? And you pa <laughs> I asked if you, you practiced with a fucking metronome yeah. while she's laying there. And you paused and you went, God, you are Kelly's wife. <laughs> I remember that. You Absolutely. Remember that? that was funny. <clears throat> so Absolutely. I'm curious, as the foundation developed, <clears throat> the Kelly Nicole Foundation developed, and this vision started to come together of, I want her music to change other people's lives. Her time is up, but her influence doesn't have to end. If you, like, I don't know what you had known about her or if you were surprised by that or kind of like, okay, that makes sense. But you have been such a strong supporter from the beginning that I wanted you to kind Aww. of talk for a minute about just your fierce and loyal support for this and what drew you to the foundation and whether you were kind of surprised or not super surprised that we've put this together for her and for other people. Great question. Uh, you know, I often think about uh, the different Entities that are out there to get involved in uh, there's a lot of options out there to choose who, who one donates their time uh, their energy uh, their money their their physical uh, Physical strength to help if, uh, if need be for depends on what it is uh, And there's many things that I want to give my time to I found that the Kelly Nicole foundation one it encompasses music yeah. and music heals Music is a healer through uh, everything has a v uh, frequency, the highest of which is love. Even a rock has a frequency uh, uh, and uh, music transmits that. It, it, it can heal, it can save, it can, uh, can do many things. Uh, and that was the main force, I believe, that kept, besides you, you're quite quite the the, the hurricane of of, of force <laughs> yourself, Teresa. Great. Uh, you know, uh, you've become a black belt uh, in many things since I've oh, known thank you. you. And uh, uh, let that be known. That's cemented uh, 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 my inspiration to want to be involved with with the Kelly Nicole. With the fact that Kelly had endured so much, if, if one has watched the documentary, she truly was that stallion. Right. Uh, and was, was, was on fumes half the time trying to get a message out of music. It was almost though she was a conduit and music was the vessel. And that's mm. how I've always looked at my message with music that I write or choose to play with people. Uh, is that I'm just a vessel, a conduit of, of a message, of a positivity, of a hope. Uh, and this is that forum yeah. for that. Uh, it's, I, th I believe it's all-encompassing not only for... Uh, we can go eating disorder, tra uh, different kinds of trauma, uh, one of which was mine, and we will definitely uh, touch on that. Um, 
Uh, but this inv- invites everyone that has remained silent or has 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 not had been had themselves an opportunity to voice either silently or openly yeah. uh, about their with their suffering and that maybe and that we can use music as the vessel to maybe bring us together uh, so we can walk side by side through the darkness to the light so to speak right so in the title track hate becoming um, the first lyric I always think about this when I think about us trying to reach out to other survivors the first line is sitting alone silent in all the noise and I just kind of picture, you know, a person's mind just racing in the middle of the night and the things that they can't shut out and they're trying to shut it down and go to sleep. And, and you know, just, just all that, the mind of PTSD and how it overcomes a person and what they have to go through as you talk about fighting through the darkness with, with music, with service, with, you know, giving yourself to other causes and things like that. Do you, do you relate at all to her lyrics? I know you're pretty familiar with the record by now. You know, uh, there's... There's not only can I relate to a lot of the lyrics, but um, I can digest a lot of the lyrics into my own situation and and or my own subject matter, such as, uh, for example, um, a person who has an eating disorder sees somebody completely different in the mirror. Hmm. A lot of times, I should say, not for everybody, but from what I know and from personal experience with my friends, uh, that they see something completely different in the mirror than, that we all see. Mm. So that leads me to believe what might be going on in the process of someone's mind. Mine has been shown to me that how I react emotionally to things, uh, to particular situations. Uh, as I sit alone amidst the noise, I can di- I digest that uh, in, in various ways, um, where uh, whether it's uh, tuning down the chatter that's in my head, in my head, the ruminating that goes on sometimes, anxiety, uh, that confusion, which I believe personally is the root of all evil, because uh, how we react to confusion, um, and that, so to speak, confusion. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, as I sit alone in this noise, I'm confused of where to reach out to, who do I turn to, who do I trust. My own, uh, the, the the things I've taught to been taught to believe, I've come out uh, of anything but, so to speak. Yeah. At least that's what I took away from a lot of a lot of the lyrics that are in it. And uh, but most of all, I did digest a lot of it to my own situations, and that is another particular reason I support. Uh, this album to be to reach out because I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it. Yeah. Even if if it's a different type of disorder, it doesn't. It's yeah. all encompasses human, the human experience. Yeah. Well, trauma is trauma, right? It's yeah. anything that that's kind of more than the mind can naturally cope with. Absolutely. And just put okay, this was a bad thing that happened, but I'm going to put it off in this block, and I'm going to continue on and function through my day. And when that functionality comes undone, and disintegrates, you kind of have to say. Um, all right, what do I do now? And I think a lot of people don't know the answer to that first question. What do I do now? Do I tell someone? Do I not tell anyone? Do I keep it to myself? Do I, like, did I do something wrong? Why did this happen? And I just wonder about, for a lot of people, those questions racing through their heads and hope that, again, with with the album and the documentary, that they get a sense of, you know, I didn't do this to myself. I didn't ask for this, but I deserve help. Well, I, you hit on so many valid points um, it, it's even got my mind, uh, you know, churning to 
to think of different situations. Uh, this, these kind of things, do, did I do something wrong? Some, for some folks, uh, including myself, which I'll touch upon uh, when it's time, is uh, 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 such, such where the, you, I was born an only child. I had absolutely nobody to hit on for questions or for guidance. Um, uh, I had a loving mom, but uh, the situation she was in with, with uh, uh, parents that were passing and a father that w was not supportive whatsoever left me alone to fend for myself mentally. And uh, uh, I think the hardest one for me to, to, to come up with to say out loud was like, I knew something was wrong, but somebody was actually giving me attention. And I actually was like, do I, do I pretend to like this? So at least I have some attention. I'm, you know, somebody, I, you know, I, in this insidious, total unhealthy thought process was like, or it was a developing of an un, unhealthy thought process was like, am I going to be okay with, with what just happened? So somebody likes me or so nobody hates me if I tell on them. Wow. Or I was actually threatened. Uh, with bodily harm, if if I if I said if I said anything, you dealt with that. If I if you tell, blah blah blah. Oh, exactly, exactly. It was it was that. Um, but I was also uh, I hear these terms gasoline now, uh, and and you know what somebody says lighting a gasoline. Oh, gaslighting. Yeah, gaslighting. That's it. Well, my interpretation always was been this is that happens a lot within these trauma, uh, trauma situations where I see somebody be made to feel so bad about themselves that maybe this is the best. I see that going, uh, uh, that, that, that this is their way of being liked or you actually, you know, you, I'm the best way I can see it is the thought process gets very confused. Yeah. And you talked about the sense of being an only child and feeling alone and then wondering like, is this maybe my only chance at any kind of attention, even though it's completely fucked up? Yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I have to look at it, some things in different degrees. I, I, I've, I've, um, first, uh, you know, as where it affected me most is I, I desensitized myself without forgetting any of the memories. We said without forgetting? Forgetting anything. I would make myself and relive it. So I didn't forget it. Oh, wow. And because I was afraid of blocking things out because every time I would see uh, a crime show or something where yeah. somebody blocked something out, then they would do something very bad and not know it. And so I would get scared that I would become that person uh, uh, where if I blocked it out. So, you know, up until maybe about 10 years ago, and I'm turning 50 this year, I, I pretty much was reliving it a couple times a week, you know, or just different memories or... Uh, you know, um, I look at, I look at children that were my age or, you mm -hmm. know, I babysit for my friends, children every once in a while. And, and I just look at the innocence and just say, I wonder what that, you know, was that what I was like? Wow. You know, and I re relive it that way and, and, and whatnot. That's fascinating. You mentioned being sensitive to innocence. Kel was like that. I related to that, and she she related to what you just said. That makes per it made perfect sense for me, and yeah. and uh, knowing you as well as I ha have gotten to so far, Teresa, it's uh, you've uh, been placed into situations, and and uh, uh, fortunately, there's been some strong people around around you. But nevertheless, I thank you for reaching out to me as well. Oh yeah, uh, because you well, you're one of those people. You just really uh, uh, took on. You know, it was like uh, somebody who was who had been 
you just inherited the whole stable of of <laughs> you're a city kid and you just inherited the whole stable <laughs> the and, whole ranch the whole ranch well you've heard her play can you imagine no one yeah. ever hearing this music yeah you it know, just wouldn't be right well absolutely and and one of the things i'll definitely piggyback on was uh, I learned early on that I feel so much. I was born with like this empathy. Mm. You know, people talk about being receptors or different things. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it was it put together over the course of what I've been through in life, but I can just feel so much that it become almost too painful. And I just had the emotions. For me personally, I had the emotions of a child in a lot of things because, I, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways I never... Well, I'm not sure what to... Go on with that point. That's a different subject. Well, you matter, can but. you can go into any point. If I want to cut it, I'll cut it. Oh right, got it. Um, I uh, but I did learn that I was a huge receptor and I'd feel everything around me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, being an only child and seeing a lot of, well, just a lot of things in life that just kind of formed me, formed my wiring to think something's just is this real or will it last or you know some people say the therapeutic word of abandonment yeah and <laughs> i uh i uh and you know i every time i've said even abandonment as strange as it seems i felt like i was being weak when i said it like wow. how i can handle this i'm a warrior yeah i've made it through abandonment you know uh you know um and i think that uh that either way uh I've had, I've, I've really tried to hold on. And music has been one of those things. Kelly, I digress. Kelly, uh, for what she has been through to be able to remain, that was, that was one sacred thing. It was almost, it almost reminds me of the plight of, of the African taken to, to the United States. And that they would, there would be certain things you would hold on to that if you lost that, you would have broken the spirit entirely. Wow. And and I wish I could like use a better things? yeah cultural things. Uh, there would be certain things within different communities. I guess uh, uh, you know I was trying to look for a better example uh, uh, of the plights. But there'd be certain things each culture would hold on to, or each person to, so their spirit wouldn't be broken. And music was Kelly's. And your people, I mean, look at Jews. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jewish well, I was going to say drummers, but drummer, no, I'm just kidding. Us <laughs> Jewish, <laughs> Jewish drummers. That us Jewish drummers. Yeah. No, no. Seriously though, that that brings up the stories of people having nothing but one candle in the Holocaust, and yeah. you know they've got that culture. And I just think early on, so while I was setting this up, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to be fundraising and, and give to existing organizations? What do we do now? Two and a half years into this, the most impact we've had. When people say the foundation changed my life, it's always they heard the album or they saw the movie. So I'm starting to realize the power of culture. Absolutely, absolutely. It uh, it certainly has been um, it certainly has been a, a beautiful thing to see. I would love for this foundation to be able to affect the masses at one time. If we have to get to everybody one person at a time, then we will. That's the way to do it. At least they can look me in the eye and say what it right. means to them, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So you had talked about um, a little bit about, you know, should I tell people, should I not tell people? And I read an article about a year ago. It was a, a study uh, about disclosure and, and when people tell, whether it's medical, legal, or family, the, the real responses people get really shocked me and brought me down. I thought it was, and I'd heard a few stories like this in my lifetime about, you know, something happened to so-and-so and they told someone 
and it went horribly and they never told anyone again and I thought okay that must be a horrible fluke because anyone would be supportive of someone in that situation and this article said it's the opposite it said the normal responses to uh, especially around sexual assault when someone mentions it to someone especially it's the first time they're mentioning it um, is shame, blame, denial, all these horrible things. And I was like, that's how we're dealing with, like, no wonder the problem's gone for so long when a person's hung out to dry like that, like you talked about feeling alone. And I was curious if, if the loneliness was amplified, not to use a pun because the name of our podcast, but if it was um, exaggerated um, and deepened into that, that lonely feeling and the isolation if you had any bad disclosure experiences, obviously not naming any names, but... Sure, sure. Well, yes. Uh, you know, in that situation, or in those situations, one, I didn't tell anybody until I think I hit 15, and this happened at 7. Yeah. Um, and even then, I think it wasn't just, hey, I need to talk about something. I I, I kind of remember the the scenario but i don't remember verbatim how the dynamic went but it wasn't it, w- it was a shock more and then it wasn't discussed at all after that i don't it wasn't a situation like i was in the household where i mean we i was talking with you earlier about you know different stigmas such as like when back in the 20s when a girl got pregnant, a lot of families, all of a sudden, you didn't see that girl anymore. Where did she go to a hospital and into a private yeah. school somewhere? Uh, certain taboos or things that were not shared or it covers many uh, different contexts. But uh, with as far as people's reactions, I really didn't share, share anything. The only time uh, there was a situation when I was 17... Uh, where I ended up into with a therapist and it was, you know, I tried to be as honest as I could and he asked the question and I answered it. Um, from there I experienced, well, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't shown on, it was shown, how do I put this? It wasn't look, looked upon when the therapist gave... Uh, I was involved in the juvenile justice center when I was young. A lot of times you get yeah. reports from therapists about how, the mental condition of this person. If you're going into a group home or into a foster home. Or it's sort of like when they do an MMPI or, a, you know... Uh, uh, or for now, people call it personality tests or what is the number of gotcha. system of your yeah. JNP, whatever, <laughs> you know... Uh, however you want to look at either way it's a process test um so i think i was being uh processed for some outlandish behavior and uh uh the situation that uh i haven't personally experienced too much of it because i haven't shared too much of it when i have it's usually been and it wasn't a situation where i had a few drinks in me and a girl or a guy, but we're pretty much a girl would say that something happened to them for oh. various reasons. They they found me comfortable. Quite a few people have mentioned they feel very comfortable to talk with me, and I, in, by by design and by intent, want people to feel comfortable around me because I, I don't have much time with everybody. So at least that was my thinking. Abandonment. This may never last. So enjoy everything as you can right yeah. away. Uh, and I wanted to get to know people, so I'd share mine back. But we were drunk. I don't really count that. It wasn't in sobriety. 
as a true way of coming out. Uh, but there's been four people that I've told to over since I'm turning 50. So I can't personally uh, speak about upon a bad experience. I've had one. Um, what I can speak about is that the taboos that I've experienced with other people that have gone through it, such as my friends, yeah. such as uh, dealing with social workers or police or uh, counselors that are have gotten are overwhelmed. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here and say they're overwhelmed by the amount of caseloads. And then you have a culture of old school generation. I mean, old school meaning from the 20s, your grand uh, people who are my age, 50 years old, and being having their grandparents grew up in a society where it wasn't talked about or yeah. were the what is masculinity or femininity or a lady doesn't talk about this or a guy i'm going to speak from because i am a guy i can really speak more from my, my male's point of view is uh that there are certain things that will make you look upon are you a homosexual are you and at that time i was fortunate enough i will say this to, to have a parent that raised me not to believe that that was wrong. Yeah. Uh, I was I was never taught to man to be with a woman, but I was never taught otherwise. I, she kind of let me fend for myself on that one. But uh, uh, I had a very good, uh, my parents, my mom had a very good moral compass. And uh, for 98% of the time, 95, towards different cultures and races, it was left open that we all created equal. Yeah. Um, so... What I am seeing is how people react. Uh, uh, if you had grandparents or people old school from the 20s, as I was saying, and that, you know, see no evil, speak no evil, uh, is it representing, does it make your family look bad? Does a parent look bad if their kid gets raped for, you know, what did I do wrong? Yeah. You know, or... Uh, you know, I start seeing, you know, the, the things that I read about in rape culture today. And I see, I see, I do the flow chart of from the, from, well, let's just say the 20s on up, uh, so to speak. But I've looked farther past than that. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, just to answer the question. I'm not personally, but I have seen some pretty bad experiences or uh, I've seen people react even where it's happened to them and someone else brings it up and they get very defensive. You know, I've seen things like that. I've seen people react, uh, you know, maybe that you shouldn't wear what you wear. I've heard yeah. that. I've heard, I mean, you know, and this is classic stuff that we're seeing, in, yeah. especially towards women, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But for for guys, it's, I think it's a big part of why I'm here talking. There is no real template. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movie. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!